in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. Well, I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? The ALDS starts today. Astros play the White Sox, one o'clock start. And then after that, the Red Sox are at the Rays in the second matchup of the ALDS. The real playoffs are here, not those little fake wildcard games. What worries you most about LaRusso's team? Uh, starting pitching's okay. I don't know. Not for, much. Boy, they, look how confident been, you are. Droningly good for four months and no, like he didn't screw it up. That's a good point. Well, his division was awful. They could have managed themselves. They didn't need a manager this year. They would have won the division. I by think 10 that's. Games. I think that was the plan. I mean, <laughs> you say in four, can they get one? Let, okay, here's the thing. The last two times the Astros have been eliminated from the postseason, they've been beaten by a team that I'm convinced they're better than. Last year, the Rays. I think the Astros were better than the Rays. And two year or 2019, when they lost the World Series to the Nationals, how the hell did they lose to the Nationals? I still that still irritates me. The Nationals me. got rid of their best player <laughs> right. and so, <laughs> beat the Astros. It's still it's still irritating. So. Like, can they lose to the White Sox, even though I'm convinced the Astros are better? Absolutely. But what worries me? Not a whole lot. I mean, their starting pitching is a little bit better than the Astros, but not a whole lot. And the Astros lineup is better. So look yeah, at you. I, I think the Astros are winning the series. Overly confident. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Four games. That sounds good. How about three? Just sweep. How about three? Just sweep. Look Let's see. You. Game three. Yeah. When, when we're on the air Monday. Yeah. Astros are already being the ALCS. I think the Rays are going to beat the Red Sox. Just I want them to to play you guys just to oh, bug God. you That's and have you be team. a little part of me and watching little dots on the screen. A stupid team. Have a you ever considered race. watching dots on the screen? No. God, no. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. <laughs> I have, So I have I have uh, a MLB TV, and you can get the radio calls too. I get annoyed if like, oh, I'm going to be driving in my car and I only get to listen to the game. Like, that annoys me. I'm not just watching little dots on the screen. I'm going to watch the actual game be played. You he, kidding me? He wants to sit there and go, Ah, oh, come on! How are you swinging at that? Okay, so he wants to be live. Live yes. with the action. Yes, I don't absolutely. know how you do it. What a moron! Yeah, I don't know how you do it. I mean, here's the thing, Ed. The Astros and Dodgers are good. The majority of the time, things are going well. That's true. That's like, true. Like, yeah, things things go well more often than they yes. go poorly. So I'm not mad as much. I don't care about him. Next question. Team USA plays Jamaica in a World Cup qualifier 430 on ESPN2. This opens up the second World Cup qualifying window. We've got three games. Uh, Costa Rica and Panama are the other two after this. Uh, we do not have Christian Pulisic or Gio Reyna. Probably our two best players. They are both out with injuries and we're not even uh, called up to the team for this window. But Greg Berhalter did say yesterday that Weston McKinney will start tonight. Weston McKinney, if you remember, is the player that got sent home during the last World Cup qualifying window for violating COVID protocols by bringing somebody unauthorized into the team hotel and leaving the team hotel to go to 
some event, some type of party or something like that. But he's starting. Update everyone on the uh, overall standings and where they stand. Uh, we are, I believe, in fourth right now on goal differential, maybe third. We're in a tie uh, with two other teams behind Mexico. Uh, top three go to the World Cup. Fourth plays a one-game playoff to go to the World Cup. You're not worried at all? Uh, we'll see how they score in this. They don't have Pulisic or Reyna. They really need to get at least two wins in this window. Three would be really nice. Um, and there's a lot of questions as to how much they can score, really, until the four-goal outburst in the second half against Honduras in the last World Cup qualifying window. They weren't scoring more than once a game for the entire year, basically. So... No, Pulisic and Reina makes that a bigger concern. Can they score against Jamaica? Can they score against Panama and Costa Rica? If they can, I feel confident about them defensively that they're not going to give up very much. So uh, confident right now. We'll you know talk to me tomorrow when they lose two to one to Jamaica, and I'll be like, <laughs> oh Jesus, yeah, time to fire Burhalter. Uh, but yeah, confident right now. They should be fine. They're in good shape. They're in really good shape to qualify for the World Cup. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Will Carrier almost got cut in the eye. Oh, this was dangerous. So the last preseason game, he left after getting a skate to the face. Uh, and Pete DeBoer yesterday said it was a cut, but thankfully it doesn't look serious. But it was close millimeters from oh. his eye. Not good. Oh. Not good. Oh, God. I can't even imagine. I am... I'm a massive baby when it comes to like eyes. Oh. Like don't want to don't want to see anybody like poke their eye, put their right. contacts in. Like oh, it's a nightmare. The idea that your eye almost got cut by a skate. Oh. That's just brutal. Yeah. So millimeters. Close apparently. That's pretty close. So good news for William Carey. Yes, he got yes. a skate to the face. Yes. I don't know if it's good news. Oh, but I think this is good news given what it could have been. Better, yeah, better than what it could have been. So we'll we'll see what happens with Will Carrier. It's hockey, so like the whole hey, you almost lost an eye, but you're playing tomorrow. That that might happen. <laughs> so Will Carrier sounds like a bad injury, but he'll probably be out there for opening night. Hey, yeah, Deborah actually giving specifics on injuries. Right? I thought it was just going to be upper body injury, and he came in with like 30 stitches on his face. Jeez, I wonder what happened. It's Maybe because it was like so obvious. Like we could all act, we all, wow. it's it's a, it's one of the few hockey injuries that we could all see. He got a skate to the face. <laughs> we know exactly. It's not that, hey, this guy left in the second period and nobody has any clue what happened. We all saw, oh, uh, uh, yeah, a skate hit him in the face. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. The Carolina Panthers traded a sixth round pick to the Patriots for Stefan Gilmore. Seems like a cheap yeah. price. Surprised nobody came in and jumped on that. What yesterday we surmised third round? Sixth round. Well, so when the when the report came out that they had tried to trade him, they had no offers, then said they were going to release him as a way to try to get somebody else to come in and trade for him. That jumped out to me as, wow, nobody really wanted to give up something good. I still thought it'd be better than a sixth, though. Sixth is basically nothing. So the Panthers are going to be able to work it out salary cap-wise, obviously, because he wants a huge deal. I, I mean, you assume so. He's, the Raiders, you, you signed someone off the Chargers, but you couldn't offer it a six for this guy? Yeah, probably should have. You could have I mean, made the numbers work. Jared yesterday was going to be the salary cap guy and cut about 10 people <laughs> to, get, to get this guy into the cap at $15 million a year. All right, we only I mean, have 10 defensive players now. Yes, but exactly. But what else No, you thought the offensive line was bad before. <laughs> before you started cutting hey, people. Hey, it can't get worse, Jared. <laughs> I mean, 
What you, be, can wait, some of the defensive tackles play both ways? What's going to be the difference in, you know, four offensive linemen out there? They haven't been very good. Just, yeah, defensive tackles play both ways. Hunter Renfro play both ways. Just Hunter Renfro. Just arena football this up. We got two-way <laughs> players. We don't say Could money. Hunter Renfro play cornerback this week? I mean, it. It's it's a joke, but in a serious question, like were they one more injury away from Hunter Renfro having to play corner? Oh, against the other the Chargers? night, yeah. I mean, they were down to what Roderick Teamer, yeah. Roderick Teamer, I think, got snaps right. at corner, and he's like the third safety on yeah. the roster because, again, everybody else got hurt. Like, if one more guy got hurt, Hunter, like in all seriousness, Hunter Renfro might have played cornerback in that. Well, game? I mean, he made the best tackle right cornerbacks on the on the fake right. punt. He made- he actually broke up a pass. Yes. It's like Casey Hayward's been great. And then and then Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro's the next best defensive back on the team. <laughs> Put him over there. Like, yeah, give uh, give Willie Sneed some slot snaps or something. He, you know, dropped the one pass in the end zone that led to an interception. But, yeah, just give Hunter Renfro some time off on offense. You know, throw it to Darren Waller. That guy's got, like, four catches in the last yeah. two games. Just throw it to him more. You don't need Renfro. He needs to go make some tackles. Oh, uh, you know, I can't tell you that. The Padres have fired Jace Tingler. They missed the playoffs after splurging in the off. They won the offseason. Don't forget the Padres won the offseason, but did not make the playoffs. So Tingler is gone. I mean, right guy get fired in this situation? No, no. This will be, what did I read? AJ Preller's been the GM for like six minutes. This is going to be his fourth coach, his fourth manager. Like after a while, (laughs) don't you say, hey, maybe it's AJ. And the owner comes out yesterday. There's no more one. There's no one more secure at the GM level in this league than AJ Preller. It's like, what? Why? I mean, yeah, it's just like, I know, like they won the offseason. Maybe you look at, and it's a, it's a talented team. Now they had issues pitching. They've had issues pitching for a while, but AJ Preller just keeps firing people, and he's never held accountable. I do think they will call Bruce Bochy, and I think he'll say no. Really? I don't know if Bruce Bochy wants to come back. I don't know. I mean, he's apparently living a nice life there in San Diego. He's got a home in the Bay Area. Do you want to come back at this point? Maybe. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's just hanging out and he would want to. But, I I mean, he's still got the place in San Diego. He would definitely be my first call. You have to ask him, right? He won three World Series. You have to say, hey, would you come back? And then the conversation might last two seconds, but he might say I'm interested. The Astros might not give Dusty Baker a new contract. If he wins it? Eh, might not give it to him even if he wins it. <laughs> what, if, uh, what if he wins it and say thanks? Listen, the Astros already were one of the most analytically driven teams, and then they hired a guy away from the Tampa Bay Rays, and I don't think Dusty Baker's looked at the calculator in 47 years, so... I don't think Dusty Baker's well, sticking around, even if they win it. So if you're the Padres and Dusty Baker's available, I you, hire him. You hire I mean, who's Baker? the last? Andy Green, I don't think had manager experience at that. Well, he didn't have it at that level. Tingler, I think, only had it single A. And then yesterday, again, the, the weird owner who says, you know, A.J. Preller's safe says, uh, he'll hire the manager. Major League Baseball managerial experience is not needed. Well, maybe it should be. Like, maybe this time you actually get a guy who's been in a Major League clubhouse as a manager, which would be someone like Bochy or Dusty Baker, right? I mean, try something different this time. Look at, well, you know, and Jared was right. You know, LaRusa didn't mess it up. But they played pretty well under him. Go get a guy who's actually been there and done something. And call, if Dusty Baker doesn't get renewed, I'd call Dusty Baker. I mean, I'd call Bochi first. But stop with this. He has had no experience. We're going to hire him and hope that he's good. <laughs> See, I was going to say you follow the, the Astros and White Sox path of finding a really, really, really old guy. And I, my first thought was Art Howe. And then I read it. I, when I Googled him, I found out he's currently, I believe, in intensive care for COVID. So 
That wouldn't be good. Art Howe is? That's what that's, I, that's the article I just that's read. So okay, here's the thing on the Padre. They should have been this year, like the Astros and the White Sox and the Dodgers, a team that basically manages itself, like a team that you can't really screw up as a manager. So that's what at least what we thought. So I kind of question how much Jace Tinkler could have done differently this year that would have changed anything. Right. I, I don't I don't know that he would have. So did the wrong guy get fired? Probably. Does it matter ultimately? Probably not. Probably not. So I mean, if they if it's Dusty but maybe Baker, if it's Baker or Bochi, yeah. they do what you said and kind of let it let them do yeah. themselves and not try to be the young guy. I need to make a bunch of changes and yeah. like fall under pressure. Like, oh my god, we're ten back, fifteen back. It's over. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing about Dusty Baker. He, as the Astros manager, has been great for the last two years, given how much scrutiny and booing and whatever the Astros right. have been under. He's like, in all seriousness, has been terrific in that because he hand, he handles that stuff very, very well. As far as going forward and who's like the best actual manager to give the Astros an edge to win, it's probably not going to be Dusty Baker. Like, it's just, it's just not going to be What do you think of Bochy? Yeah, he's old too. Like, in all seriousness, the Astros hire a manager, I think they should just hire some young guy that'll do what the GM says. Yeah, but your that. GM has proven to be a heck of a lot better than AJ Preller. Yes, right? that, well, he's only been an I actual mean, GM for two years, and okay, but he gave Pedro won. Baez like fourteen million dollars, I mean, and that won. guy's pitched like two games. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he's been he's been fine, but he also took over you know a really good roster. He hasn't. We'll see if he, he if hasn't he, messed it up. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what they do. He let George Springer walk, even though that was more of a owner situation than the actual general manager. But we'll see. Talk to me when Carlos Correa is signing for like the freaking Giants or something. Stupid or the Yankees? Like that. Yeah, I don't know if the Yankees will take him. Well, but couldn't yeah, you make Correa me. the manager? Yes, player manager. Yeah, I'm player manager. Ten-year contract. You could you could afford him at that point. Yeah, you give him I'm anything on, he wants for player manager. I want to tell Dusty's probably getting paid like five dollars. But Dusty Baker wins no, the World D- Series. Dusty, thank just you for your time. D- <laughs> Dusty, literally, it's just like, hey man, you get free admission to the ballpark. <laughs> you get a suite. I don't want to guarantee it, but I feel very confident if they win the World Series, Dusty Baker's still not back. It's kind of amazing. I, I mean, if he wins it all, hey, I, hey, that doesn't happen very often. No. He might also, if he wins it all, just be like, I'm announcing well, my retirement. No, he, he already no. said. He got asked the question. Oh. They were like, hey. He wants to stay? He wants to stay. And somebody specifically asked him, if you win the World Series, would you sort of ride off into the sunset? And he said, no, I want to come back. Okay. So he's he's already said he wants to come back. He's also said, listen, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't really care that they haven't extended me yet. I'm just whatever True. they want to do at the end True. of the year, we'll do it. But yeah, he's already said he wants to come back. So I, But I feel pretty confident they're not bringing him back. Even if they win the World Series. Might change my mind. All right. Ed's leaving after this. Coming Aww. up next. The Golden Knights. Hey, is Peyton Krebs going to make the roster? Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. The Avalanche net is empty as Barron gives it away. Krebs plays it out to center. Jake LeCision working towards the empty net. He scores. There's another assist for Peyton Krebs. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Ed is gone. We will talk to him again at 9 o'clock, but he's got to run out to the Raiders facility to get his COVID test so he can continue to cover Raiders practice and Still, what is the funniest timeline of get tested at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, 
wait around for two hours to watch 10 minutes of practice and then wait around for another two hours until players and coaches are available to the media. Um, and he does all that just so Derek Carr can't like, doesn't read anything he writes. <laughs> so uh, we will talk to him again at nine o'clock once he's down there and tested. Uh, we'll talk to Darren Millard here in just a few minutes, but I'm actually a little bit more excited right now about the last, what do we have? Two more, three more preseason games, just two more preseason games for the golden Knights. They played tonight against the coyotes and then they play uh, on Saturday in San Jose against the sharks. And that's it before their regular season opener uh, against the Kraken next Tuesday. But the reason I'm a little bit more excited is we might actually have a push for a roster spot by Peyton Krebs. This entire offseason or preseason has kind of been boring because the Golden Knights lineup has been mostly set, right? The top six is remaining intact from last year. The stone line's the same. The Carlson line's the same. The third line, while not the same from last year, Nolan Patrick at center with Dodonov and Janmark on the wings has sort of seemed like the de facto third line. But then the last preseason game happened and Peyton Krebs had a four point game and not that you should get overly excited about preseason points, preseason goals, preseason assists, but four points is quite a bit. And maybe more importantly to that is that Will Carrier left that game after getting a skate to the face. Now, again, as Pete DeBoer said, millimeters away from his eye, it could have been much worse had it hit his eye. So William Carrier might ultimately be fine. Well, Fine hockey terms, fine, right? He's, yeah. He's got like, a laceration on his face, but for some reason, that's not going to be a deterrent to him playing. Whatever. Uh, hockey's so uh, weird, yeah. man. So he might be fine in regards to that, but there might actually be an opening for Peyton Krebs in this lineup. And if he continued, played well in the last preseason game, if he does that again, well, four-point game would be hard to do, but if he plays well again, there might be a big argument for putting Peyton Krebs on the opening day roster for the Golden Knights, especially if William Carrier is out. The question would be, where do you put him? Are you putting Peyton Krebs on a fourth line? Uh, Nick Waugh, Keegan Colasar, and Peyton Krebs? It doesn't sound like a terrible line, but it also doesn't sound like a great line to really like set Peyton Krebs up for success, right? Like that was, you know, was Cody Glass any good? Not really, but the Golden Knights didn't put him in a great spot to succeed either, which again, the Golden Knights as an organization are in a win, win the whole thing right now, or it's a failure mindset. So who cares if you're putting Cody Glass in the best situation for his long-term development, you need to win right now. So if Cody Glass can help on the left wing, that's where you're going to play him. Same is going to apply to Peyton Krebs, right? It's not that sure it'd be best for his long-term development. If you just played him as the third line center and just dealt with whatever growing pains, but they can win the Stanley cup this year. They should win the Stanley cup this year. That's the, like, that's the only success this season can be is if they win the Stanley cup. So if he's not your best third line center option, you're not putting him there. Even if that might be better for him long-term. So where does he fit? Here's my question. And it's the same type of conversation we've had before, but if you look at the Golden Knights' top six, the Carlson line with Marsha Soen Smith, and if you look at Chandler Stevenson between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, you have two top lines that you can probably take advantage of mixing and matching your lines to make yourself stronger one through four. And what I mean by that is Peyton Krebs 
playing with Nick Waugh and Keegan Colasar, eh, it doesn't sound that great. But whether it's Carlson and Smith or whether it's Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone or Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, you can pair Peyton Krebs with two other of those top six players, right? Imagine Peyton Krebs on the left wing with William Carlson and Jonathan March or William Carlson and Riley Smith, right? Imagine him playing center for Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. And here's, here's my thing. I believe that line would be just fine. Let's say you put him at center with Stone and Pacioretty. I think that line's going to be just fine. I don't think that line's going to have any problem producing this year, right? They're going to be good to go. And what that allows you to do, Chandler Stevenson now is moving down the lineup. Now is, is Chandler Stevenson on your fourth line? Chandler Stevenson's been awesome as a first line center, right? Is he now your fourth line center or even playing off on a wing, right? Now your fourth line sounds a lot better. Or let's just say it's Jonathan Marcheseau. You put Peyton Krebs in the left wing with William Carlson and Riley Smith. And now Marcheseau moves down and your third line is Nolan Patrick with Marcheseau on the left and Dodonov on the right. And now all of a sudden you're talking about Matias Janmark moves down to the fourth line. Like there are ways if the goal, the golden Knights offseason goal based on their moves, they did not really care about getting high end center depth. They did not care about improving their top six. They cared about improving their bottom six. They wanted a better third line and a better fourth line. And they've done a good job. Like if that was their goal, they've done a very good job at acquiring players. They're going to make their third and fourth line better. Even with Alex Tuck out for a while. But if that's your goal, I think they should go all in on it. And by doing, and what I mean by that is moving somebody from that top six down and giving Peyton Krebs an opportunity. And here's the other thing. It doesn't have to be Peyton Krebs, right? You could conceivably move to Donov up in the lineup. You can conceivably move a couple of different guys. Maybe it's Nolan Patrick at some point this year that plays center between Stone and Pacioretty. There are some options they can do to move guys up and down the lineup that would make them stronger in the bottom six, while also probably, we could see, it could backfire but probably making them worse in the top six or not probably not making them worse. I should say, and here's the other good part about this. The golden Knights are such heavy favorites in the Pacific division that they should be experimenting all of the time this year because they're going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to run away with the division. They should be using this regular season. A lot of experiments should be going on. They should be trying a lot of different things to see, Hey, what works? Can we play Peyton Krebs as a center between Stone and Pacioretty? No? Okay, let's go back to Stevenson. Oh, we can? Awesome, our team's better. Can you play him as a second-line left winger? No? Okay, go back to Marshall. Oh, you can? Awesome. Marshall's on the third line, right? You could potentially have a third line with Marshall and Alex Tuck on it when he comes back from injury. They should be experimenting to see because their playoff position, they haven't even played a game, I know, but they're pretty safe. They're pretty safe to make the playoffs, so they should be trying a lot of different things. Coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave. Hey, mountains are subject to approval. Moose, you just keep on moosing. This doesn't concern you. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Millsy Millard. Guess who's not here, Darren? Ed. Yep, he's gone again. I was listening yesterday. He wasn't there. He was here yesterday. Yeah, he was here yesterday. No, maybe the day before then. Yeah, he was out Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. 
He, uh, but he specifically left today because of you again. He's done this a couple of times now where it's Thursday and he's like, you know oh, what? Oh, he's got to go to Raiders uh, to get tested. Right, but he could probably do it you know, a little bit later. He could stick around and talk to you, but he doesn't want to. Huh. But he's listening right now. Probably. Probably. Well, I hope so. I hope he listens. Maybe he's helping Jared manually transfer over all the numbers from his old flip phone to his new phone. <laughs> Jared is so broken up. He Something happened to his phone. He had to get a new one, and he does not have any phone numbers in his phone. Yeah. He's, he's just a complete mess. We almost didn't get you on the air because of that, because he realized, you know, four seconds before he's supposed to call you, oh, I don't have his number because anymore. Because for... <laughs> for a year and a half, I've just been able to go, all right, look at phone. Look for Millsy. Yeah. Millsy's there's his number. Yeah. Call Millsy. Yeah. So, yeah, poor Jared. Um, all right, here's a question for you, Darren, that maybe is a little bit more realistic today than it was last week when we talked to you. Is Peyton Krebs making this roster? Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, going to be fascinating to watch with his progress. And, and I'll say this. Uh, a year ago, if you don't have preseason games, and you have to go right into the season, and you uh, work your way through the first few games. Um, I, I don't know whether there's the, the runway is long enough to allow a player to find his game uh, the way the way it worked with with Peyton Krebs uh, this year. But uh, he gets four games uh, in the first five, and I think you saw definite progress from from game number one of this preseason uh, to the breakout performance in Colorado. But if it's if it's real games and you've got to win all those games and there's uh, something to be uh, gained uh, in the standings at every game, uh, you probably don't have that time and and that ability to be able to be as patient uh, as as they are with exhibition games. And uh, he's he's the real benefactor to well, the circumstance of of this year compared to last year, and uh, he's he made it best of his opportunity with that uh, with that effort uh, the other night in, in Denver he he was uh, it was it was almost like a microcosm of his preseason itself uh, a little um, uh, temp, tepid at the start and then by the second and third uh, he was uh, really like feeling it uh, and uh, I was I was happy for him because he finally got something out of the game and and it was just one of those one goal uh, and played a good game kind of thing. See, he put up a legitimate uh, big point night, and he's going to make it interesting. So and then you add then then you add the injuries. Uh, sorry, Tyler, the injuries to uh, Carrier, and uh, I don't know what uh, long term status is. Uh, it's better than it, than it could have been. And uh, and Nick Waugh, uh, we haven't seen for a couple of uh, couple of days, so that uh, that could that could open the door for him. Well, it's hockey, so I expect William Carrier to be good to go for Tuesday with just you know seven stitches across his face holding it together. I'm telling you, if did did you see the replay of yeah, that? It wasn't good. It did not look no. good at all. But it's hockey, so he's probably going to play on Tuesday. Again, I'm looking at 2025 <laughs> before I'm back. If that happens to me. I mean, let's say 2025. I'm not coming back ever. If I get a skate to the face, you kidding? I'm not leaving my yeah. house ever again. Ever, ever, ever again. Like I'll just, I'll just sit back and work on Jared's phone. That's what I'll do. <laughs> okay. So the idea you kind of threw out there about preseason and being allowed to like give Peyton Krebs a runway here. I'm curious. Do you think the Golden Knights this year will use the regular season as maybe a place to experiment a little simply because 
they're such big favorites in this division. Like it, things are going to have to go really, really wrong for them to miss the playoffs. Hell, things are going to have to go really wrong for them to not even win the division. Like, do you think they might take some parts of the regular season to try out? Hey, how does Peyton Krebs look as the center of stone and patch ready for six games or something? Or do you think they'll sort of tighten up and say, no, it's the regular season. We got to get the president's trophy or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's probably the latter where where they'll be um, more focused on, on the result and, and making sure that they get the result uh, on a nightly basis and change and, and get uh, the, the wins compared to a lot of experimentation. Now, the, the schedule after the first couple of weeks for the Vegas Golden Knights will jam up significantly and be uh, compacted. Uh, and the, the load management idea, I think could come into play where if, if you want to blend load management with experimenting, uh, I think you could see some of that uh, in the back half of the season where they just give guys nights off if they've got a sizable cushion. I can foresee something like that happening, but I think initially uh, I think it's going to be what the, 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 the result is the foremost uh, goal and, and experimenting will take a backseat. So Robin Leonard uh, had a weekend where he called out quite a lot of people on Twitter mm-hmm. and then had meetings with the NHL and the NHLPA about, you know, his accusation that other teams are giving out uh, prescription pills despite not having prescriptions for those. He asked for Elaine Vigneault to be fired. I One of my biggest takeaways when Robin Leonard talked to the media earlier this week was he kind of implied or hinted at that he has tried in the past to talk to the NHL or the NHLPA kind of privately. She's tried to have these conversations privately and that it kind of, it's kind of sounded like he never explicitly said this, but it kind of sounded like because those conversations didn't go anywhere, he felt the need to go public on Twitter, knowing that that would put some public pressure, some public heat on the NHL to actually do something or at the very least listen to him. Yeah, I think you could uh, you could take uh, that path. Uh, I, I don't think it would be be wrong in in any regard. I I don't know how much truth there is to that. I haven't had a chance to to sit down with with Robin and, and talk to him uh, about that part of it. But I I see where you could certainly grasp onto that. Uh, I think there's been different tweets and different comments. Uh, I remember last year during one of the Zoom sessions, Tyler. Uh, where where he spoke very passionately uh, about mental health and and about uh, the bubble and about uh, the restrictions that are on players and uh, and how difficult uh, it it was at the time uh, on the athletes and uh, and the staffs. So I think I think he's there's probably a, a bit of both uh, both the the public the tweets the uh, the the press conferences uh, and and and. Comments that he's made before he got to to Las Vegas uh, that that we've heard where he, where he spoke publicly uh, about the situation and there's probably been some back channel uh, conversations as well and uh, I don't I don't know how far those back channels uh, were were going um, but he certainly didn't feel like he was getting his message through or or he was being heard. Uh, on, on a uh, significant enough scale, and uh, and then it uh, it went to the place that it, that it went to. Look, he he eventually uh, got to a point where he's now very encouraged. Uh, if 
it took uh, disruption to the weekend uh, to, to get there. And uh, I'm, I'm from from listening to Robin the other day. He's probably feeling, or I definitely got the feeling that uh, that he wished that it, it could have done or gone a different way, in the sense of that he didn't have to do that and 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 cause the stir that he did. Uh, but uh, but I'm 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 happy that he's happy uh, in the sense that uh, that he got his voice heard and now the the dialogue and the uh, there's a uh, uh, channel directly connected to the National Hockey League and the NHLPA. I'm curious. So one of the other issues he raised was the Jack Eichel situation where yeah. Eichel wants to have a certain surgery. The Sabers don't want him to have that. They want him to have something else that's more standard in hockey I'm I'm curious if you know like across the league because Eichel potentially gets traded do you know would other NHL teams be okay with Eichel having the surgery he wants to have well there's uh it's funny you bring that up because uh, yesterday there was a report by uh, my buddy Nick Kiprios that uh, that teams uh have been granted uh increased access to the medical files uh of Jack Eichel that the the conversations with the Buffalo Sabres have moved along to, to that stage, and that there's there's a couple of teams that are open to uh, Jack Eichel having the uh, disc replacement surgery instead of the fusion surgery. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, uh, the short answer is uh, it does sound like there's there's teams uh, out there that would be willing to have the procedure uh, that Jack wants, as opposed to the Buffalo Sabers who are steadfast uh, against it and only want the fusion surgery, which would put them back in the lineup in, the, in six weeks. And the Golden Knights are one of those teams? Uh, that I do not know <laughs> at all. But uh, with that salary cap hit, uh, um, if, if you can make it happen, then uh, I want to be uh, part of whatever makes it happen and have access to those people because that would be magical. Salary okay, caps all made up. To, it's fake. Yeah, it's to, not real. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? We've we've seen it's not real. We've seen the ta- Tampa and Vegas last year. They just proved it's not real. You can do oh, whatever. Oh, you want. you're talking about the uh, the end of the year in the playoffs. No, 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 not not the playoffs. Just that you can do it. You can figure it out. There's mm. no. You can figure it out. Could you say the same thing about my uh, my credit card limit? Eh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know anything about your credit card limit. Do I need to know about your credit card limit? How are, well, I just would. I would wish that it wasn't real. That I could oh. just, like keep going, keep going. You got to pay going. that stuff back, Darren. It's not free money. Come on. How are the fake horses and the fake chickens? I saw some uh, tweets about it this week. Uh, fake chickens. Hopefully, they start later this month. I need to get an update on when the hell those are supposed to start. The fake oh, they, horses. The fake chickens haven't even started racing yet. No, no, no. They we have not started the racing. There's going to be like a beta testing this month, and if all goes well, it'll start right after that. But yeah, sometime this month is the plan. Uh, horses are doing well. Uh, we got a big win from our horse named Ron Swanson last night. That was good. That was a good race. Good win. Nice. I had the office uh, watching. I told them all about it, and and we were watching a couple of fake horse races. Yeah, they, oh, they couldn't bad. believe it. They want to buy one. We got some for sale. No, no, no. We uh, I, oh, I told them we, we are not buying any. Uh, we we need to get on the ground floor. So we're looking at the chickens. <sighs> chickens are too expensive for you. Really? Yeah, Already? Yeah. Yeah. Well, right now because it hasn't started, so it's sort of like anticipation building. Once it starts, if it kind of the market s- will drop out, yeah, and Tyler I mean, will be out a bunch of money. Nah, I won't be out a bunch of money. We're good. We're in a good spot. Did you, did you get Jared involved in the chickens? No. I have like $12. No. Well, got... Was that before or after you had to get the new phone? <laughs> I mean, how much do you think the new phone cost? <laughs> $12. <laughs> That's my net worth.
<laughs> oh, all right. Get out of here, Millsy. We appreciate okay. it. Be good. Bye. Darren Millard. Uh, you can hear him on the VGK Insider Show. I wanted to ask him uh, who on the VGK Insider Show probably has a fake vaccine card. Him? Who's the Evander Kane? <laughs> Who's the Evander Kane? That's a loaded question. There's a lot of ways you could go with that. Coming up next, the Las Vegas Aces forced a game five. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Behind the back pass from Gray to Wilson. Count that money won't change it. Asia Wilson with a nice 16-foot jumper. Assist Chelsea Gray. Bucket Asia Wilson. The lead back to 19. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. The Aces are not dead. 93 to 76. They blew out the Mercury yesterday to force a game five. So it'll be winner take all tomorrow night here in Vegas. Winner goes to the WNBA finals. Loser season is over. I will say this is the worst kind of competitive series because none of the actual games have been competitive. Well, game one was, but since then we've had three straight blowouts. Like this is a series going the distance and we don't really have any moments since game one. Like uh, the moments have all come like, oh, the Aces went on a 24 to nothing run in the third quarter. How the hell do you even do that, by the way? So it's kind of like the worst series just because there's been very little drama in the actual games themselves. But the Aces did have a 24-0 run in the third quarter to help them blow out Phoenix. Now, few interesting things from this game. First off, the Aces won this game because of their backcourt and the way they played on offense. Chelsea Gray had 22 points on 9-17 shooting. Kelsey Plum had 20. Raquana Williams had 17. Those are their three leading scores. Asia Wilson did get to 15, but still not an overly impressive game from Asia Wilson. She's been very, very quiet in this series, but the Aces backcourt stepped up, and that was a good example offensively of the depth the Aces have. We didn't see that in game four. These is like, couldn't, nobody could score in game four. But this is a team where you have Asia Wilson, you have Liz Cambage, you have Chelsea Gray, you have Kelsey Plum, and you have Raquana Williams. Like five legitimate scorers on this team. And when Asia Wilson is taken away, when Asia Wilson's not playing well, you've got to have other players step up. That didn't happen in game four. It did, or excuse me, in game three. It did in game four. The other thing that's fun, the Aces hit 11 three-pointers in this game. They took 22. They shot threes and won a playoff game by like 100 points. That's what we've been waiting for from the Aces. Shoot some threes. Now, 50% is pretty unsustainable. If they shoot 22 again, they'll probably only make seven or eight. But still, they took a lot of threes, and they made a lot of threes in that game. That's a Bill Lambeer team. But what's the most important thing from that game? Nothing that happened on offense because the Aces... Game one, they won. They were fine on offense. Game two, they got blown out, but they still scored 90 points offensively. They just, Diana Taurasi hit like 100 threes off the dribble. Game three, they sucked on offense, but for the most part, they've been good on offense. The real key there is defensively. This was their best defensive game. Now, Brittany Griner, she was six of 18 in that game. I tend to believe she missed a few shots she probably should have made or she probably will make in game five. I think there was a little bit more of Griner not being good than the Aces actually being better defensively against her, but 
Griner was only six of 18, right? That's a big sign. Diana Taurasi did not have a very good game either. The defense was much better. And here's, here's what's fascinating about the aces in the regular season, the last three years, they've been a WNBA title contender for the last three seasons in the regular season. Their defenses have been awesome. They, I think have been top two in the league in defensive rating for three straight years and their defensive rating for the last three years, 96, 97, 95. What that basically is, is points per 100 possessions, right? They're giving up less than hundred points per 100 possessions. And all those numbers are usually in the top two of the league, but in the playoffs, the last three years, their defensive rating was 111, 105, and this year, 113. It's the playoffs. You get some small samples, right? We're only talking about four games so far this year. You get some small samples, so it's a little, little odd to take that away. But it's been very, very clear the last three seasons. The reason the Aces go home, the reason the Aces cannot win in the playoffs is their defense disappears. Like the defense is suddenly not good. They suddenly cannot get stops after having an entire regular season where they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. And all of a sudden that goes away where they go from giving up 96 points per 100 possessions to 113 per 100 possessions. It's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. Their defense can be that bad. And I think a lot of it has to do with other teams perimeter play. The aces are a team that they want to play big. They want to beat you up. But they also, they're not giving up any layups, right? They're not, you're not getting layups against the Aces. You're not just going to pound it in. Brittany Griner has done some of that in this series, but Brittany Griner is very good. But when teams can spread the floor, when teams can make either Asia Wilson or Liz Cambage get out of the paint, right? That's when it opens things up for some layups. And the way you do that is by knocking down threes. And to be fair, the Aces perimeter defense, not quite as good as their interior defense, right? Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray and Raquana Williams are not as good defensively overall as a Liz Cambage or an Asia Wilson who deter pretty much anything that comes inside. That's been their biggest problem. It was fixed for game four. That'll be the biggest question for game five. Are they any good defensively? If they are, they're going to the WNBA finals.